It's like being at a cricket ground. Should we try that again? No, sorry, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, how are you doing? All all right? All enjoying the post-heat wave cool and niceness? I hope so. Okay. Well, you're all very welcome. It's lovely to see one or two faces that I don't know among the many faces that I do. Um, I know you've been welcomed once, but I'll say it again, you're most welcome. It's lovely to have you here with us this morning. Um, my name's Chris, I'm one of the um, elders here in this church, and I'd love to share with you something that God has put on my heart that I believe he wants to, to bring to you or us as a church this morning. But before I reveal what the title of or the subject of my um, message is going to be, um, I just wanted to say that it's particularly I'm particularly glad that the youth are in because it's very relevant for them, okay? Um, and also those who are maybe a bit older um, and the more mature among us. It's also quite relevant for married couples uh, and people who are single, parents, professionals, stay-at-home mums. So the big... Rev- okay. Okay, I've already revealed it. You've guessed it. We're going to be looking at humility this morning. Um, but before I get into the... the the sermon itself. Um, It might seem a little bit different to a normal sermon. I'm not going to stand here and talk to you for 25 minutes. I want you to get involved. Um, For those who don't know, my day job, um, I work as a, a learning manager, which means that I'm responsible for designing training courses, making sure that those training courses um can be run for business professionals mostly, um, thinking about techniques and strategies to help people learn. So that's what I do. Um, That's what I get paid to do. Um, I think I do okay at it. But one of the main challenges that I face day to day is how to create training that will help people learn who are from different cultures or different backgrounds, different languages, different personalities, different mindsets. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, there isn't one way that people learn. There isn't one um, technique that you can use that is going to help everybody learn. So this morning, what I'm going to do is mix things up a bit. I'm going to do one or two things that are slightly different, um, and I'm going to hopefully um, be able to help you to remember some of what I'm I'm talking about this morning um, so that you can learn in a way that works for you what the Bible teaches you about humility. But it does mean I'm going to need some interaction. Okay, so you're ready to interact a little bit. So four of you are ready to one minute. That's the minute up there. The green sand will run out of the timer over a minute. And I want you, in that minute, to find a well-known phrase that is hidden around this room. Okay, so there are sheets of paper stuck underneath some chairs. Okay. Um, If you're not able to get out of your chair, don't worry, I'm sure somebody else will find it. But when I click my clicker, the timer will start. I haven't got some theme music, sadly. But when when the timer reaches zero, I would like those pieces of paper held up at the front in order to reveal the well-known phrase. Are you ready to go? Go. Okay, the time's ticking. The sand is running out. Oh, we've got one. We've got a piece of paper. That's quarter of your time gone. 
I noticed that all the youth haven't got out of their seats to help. They're just letting the adults get on and do it. 30 seconds, so you're halfway. Well done. Yeah, another one there. Hold them up. Let everybody else help. They might be able to see what we're doing. 15 seconds left. We're into the red zone nearly. Okay, are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? Time's up. Okay, stop. Stop where you are. Stop where we are. Okay. What's the well-known phrase? Should we read out the well-known phrase? Walk upon England's mountains green. Well done. <laughs> Round of applause for the lovely... You can take those pieces of paper as a, as a reward. I'm nothing if not generous. So why on earth did I just make you do that? Other than to have a bit of a laugh. And it is a bit of a laugh. Do you know what? The answer to that, the answer to that challenge wasn't really the important thing. You only just had enough time to do it. Okay? You only just had enough time to do it. And that's very much what it's like when you spend time... Um, hearing what God has to say or, or being in a, in a sermon like this one. We've only got 20, 25 minutes for me to communicate something to you and for you to hear what God's saying and learn from it. And what you'd noticed when all of this was, was happening is that when you're under time pressure or when there isn't much time, um, then you find that people behave in different ways. So some people were straight out of their seats, rushing around looking for things to pick up. Others were, <laughs> were behaving like teenagers. Um, but some people will get stuck in and get involved. Some people won't. When we had all the words at the front, I noticed that several of the words were being held down so only a few people could help put them in order. Okay, when they could have been held up and everybody could have helped. It's difficult for everybody to engage. It's difficult for you to learn um, anything or to, to be able to do anything in that small space of time. So what I want to do today is to give you some thoughts and some ideas that you can take away and think through in your own time, think through in your small groups, think through at New Day. Because you're not going to have phones and TVs to distract you, so you're going to have plenty of time to think about this as well while you're away. But what I hope is that by thinking through some of these, these ideas that I'm going to share about humility, that it is going to make a difference to you. That it's not just you're going to hear something and you're going to think, oh, that was nice, or I understand what the theory means now. I want this to actually stick in a way that makes a difference to you. Okay? So that's where we're going to go. Um, so that was the whole purpose of that little exercise. It's got nothing to do with humility, whatever, but it was fun. So... Humility. Humility is a theme that appears throughout the Bible. You see the word mentioned all over the place in the Bible. I'm going to give you a few examples. In Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle. There's the word humble. Okay, what about another one? 1 Peter 3, finally all of you be all of those things and humble. And in Luke 18, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So it's a word that appears throughout the Bible. 
but it's not a word that most of us would use throughout our daily lives. It's not the sort of thing that we would necessarily use in our day jobs. I don't remember when I last used the word humble when I was delivering some training. It's not necessarily a word that we use very often. In fact, who here in the room has used the word humble outside of church in the last week? What about in the last month? Somebody must have used it in the last month. What about the last year? Yeah, two or three might have used it. Who doesn't think they've ever used the word humble in normal conversation? Yeah, there's probably a few that have never really... It's not a word that we use very often, isn't it? So if it's not a word that we use very often, do we really know what the word means, what the Bible means when it calls us to be humble? Because if the Bible's asking us to do something, it helps if we understand what we're being asked to do. How do we do it? Is it difficult or is it easy? Okay, the problem is it's just not a word that we use very often. And this is, this is the geek section, okay? So any, any um, people who like graphs and statistics and data, this is for you. Okay, what this shows is how the word humility appears in literature. And that might be textbooks, it might be novels, it might be any sort of literature in the English language over the last 200 years, okay? And what we can see is in 1800... The word humility in purple, pink, was used quite a lot. But over the last 200 years, it has got less and less and less. So in 2000, the word humility just doesn't appear very much in literature. And I've compared it with the word leadership. Who understand, Who uses the word leadership? You all know what leadership means. When did you last hear about leadership? Probably, probably this morning. <laughs> yeah? Leadership is a word that we use a lot. And what we see here is in literature, 200 years ago, it didn't appear. Leadership wasn't a word that was used in the English language. But now, it's used a huge amount. So what we can see here is the problem that we've got with talking about words like humility in the Bible. It's just not a commonly used word. So we need to understand what it means. If we were to ask, if I was to do a, um, a poll today, in fact I might do it. Shout out another word that means the same as humility or humble. Any ideas? Sorry? Sincere, Sincere. okay. Selfless. Selfless. Submissive, good. Sorry, did I hear one from over there? Just yawning, okay. (laughs) You're going to wish you hadn't come to this. No, I wasn't talking too far. Sorry? Altruistic, okay. Some of the words that I came up with are things like meek, unassertive, poor, insignificant, unimportant, unremarkable, plain, simple, and ordinary. Why would we want to be like that? That doesn't sound like the sort of thing that the Bible would call us to be. All of you, go and be unremarkable and ordinary. Doesn't quite sound right, does it? So what we need to do, first thing I'm going to do is, start, is have a look at what it is that the Bible actually means when it uses the word humility or the word humble so that we're not misled into thinking it means what society tells us it means. Okay, so I've done a little bit of research and immersed myself in study and opened Google and had a look to see what it says. So here goes. So 
Some of the things that theologians or Bible scholars say humility means. So it means making yourself or becoming low. Okay? Or being fully dependent on the Lord. Or dismissing reliance upon yourself. Okay? There's a few helpful definitions. And it wouldn't be a sermon without a quote from C.S. Lewis. So this is what C.S. Lewis says. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Mm. That's why we put the quotes in, because you get that reaction from them. Okay. What else? The Apostle Paul. So in the Bible, there is actually, there are many definitions, but here is a definition that the Apostle Paul gives um, when he wrote his letter to the church in Philippi. Value others above yourself. Okay. So we've got a few definitions then that that we can sort of understand a little bit like uh, a little bit what the Bible means when we talk about humility. So I've sort of brought them together and created a definition that for me um, brings all of those together. So my definition is that humility is recognizing who you are in relation to who God is. So it's recognizing who you are in relation to who God is. Okay? So, to understand how to be humble, the first thing we have to do is to understand God. Because without the comparison, we can't be humble. We don't know what it means. So I'm going to um, take a little bit of time, um, just briefly, to go through, first of all, who is, who is God and who are we in relation to him. And then once I've done that, we'll be able to look at how we can respond in terms of what do we need to do to be humble. Okay, happy that that's the direction that we're going to take? Excellent. So, who is God? That's a fairly small question for a Sunday morning. <laughs> yes, good. He's lots of things, and I'm sure you could shout out. So, creator's one, that will come up. There are many, many other things that you could use. The Bible has got hundreds of verses that I could have picked. And actually, a lot of the contributions that were shared this morning point to one aspect or other of God. So we can start to see what, um, who God is in a lot of different ways. But what I've done is I've just picked one to illustrate how you might go through the thought process. You could do this with many verses of your choice. And I'm just going to use this verse to pull out some key characteristics. So the verse in Ephesians 4.6, there is one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. One God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So, from that, who is God? Well, he's God of all. There's nothing and there's no one who he hasn't created and he doesn't rule over. One aspect of God. He is Father of all. In other words, everything and everyone was born from him through his choice and by his Holy Spirit, and nothing exists that God didn't bring into existence. He's father of all. He is over all. So he is greater and he is higher and he is more powerful than anything and everyone. He is over all. He is through all. His Holy Spirit gives life to everything and to everyone and can be found throughout the whole of creation. And he is in all. All good things, every perfect characteristic that anyone or anything has, 
is there because God put it there and because God is in it. He is God of all, he is Father of all, he is over all, he is through all, he is in all. That's quite a high bar to compare yourself to. But actually, that's the first thing we need to do if we're going to understand humility, understand who God is. It's all of those things. So, when we compare ourselves to God and we understand who we are in relation to God, we can look at all those things and see what that means for us. So who are we in relation to God? Well, if he is God of all, then we are created by him. We are subject to him. If he is our father, then we are sons and daughters of God. If he is over us, then we are submitted to him. If he is through us, then we are surrounded by him. And if he is in us, then we are filled with his riches. Which sounds quite good, doesn't it? I'm just going to, again, just get you to sort of, as you're thinking about this, and as I went through, what are some of the things that that might mean for you personally in terms of recognizing who you are? So if you are created by God, what does that mean for you? Just shout out a couple of things. If you're created by God, what does that mean for you? Made you just as you are, sorry? Yeah, so the worth and the value that you have, yep, comes from God, yep. What else, anything else? You're wanted by God, yeah, because he created you, he wanted you to exist. Special. Yeah, in his image, brilliant. Yeah, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So that's what it means to be created by God. That's who we are in relation to him. What about our father? If we're sons and daughters of God because he's our father, what does that mean for us? We're loved. We belong. We belong. Part of a family. Brilliant. Yeah? We're under his guidance. We're under his protection. Yeah. What about if he's over us, then we are submitted to God? What does that mean? What does it mean to be submitted to God? He is Lord. He is? Yes, he is Lord. Yeah. Follow his leadership. His laws. Which laws? Yeah, it may be the laws in creation. So the fact that I'm stood on the stage and not floating up into space, I'm subject to the law of gravity, which is God's design. So even in simple things like that, I am constrained by the creation that he's put me in because he is over me and I'm submitted to him. If he's through us, then we are surrounded by him. What does it mean to be surrounded by God? You can't get away. That's it. Exactly. That's exactly what I wrote. You can't escape him. There's nowhere that we can go that is outside of his presence. Because he is surrounded. Uh, he is through us and we're surrounded by him. And lastly, if he is in us, then we are filled with his riches. What sort of riches are we filled with? Because God is in us. His spirit. His spirit. Any others? His character. Yeah, life. Gift to the Spirit, absolutely. His power. So we start to, we start to see what it actually means to be um, who we are in relation to him. And again, I've just gone through those really quickly. But, and you can do the same sort of exercise with any verse that you 
look at in the Bible. So what does this verse say about who God is? And then using that, how do I then see who I am in relation to God? And when we do that, when we start to understand who God is and who we are in relation to God, then that is the start of our journey to being humble. Because do you remember the definition that I used a minute ago? Humility is recognizing who you are in relation to who God is. So when we understand who God is and we understand who we are, that's the start of understanding how to be humble. But it doesn't just stop with knowing that. Do you remember I was saying at the beginning that I want you to take away the knowledge, the things that you've heard and learned and experienced, and for it to change you. So it doesn't just stop with knowing that God is greater than us and we are less than God. That's easy to say. That doesn't, doesn't require much thought. And most people would probably agree with that. But knowing that makes a difference or should make a difference to how we act or the things that we do. The Bible, as we saw at the beginning, has a number of verses that call us to be humble. In other words, it's an action that we have to take. It's something we have to do. Something we have to do on an ongoing, continuous, conscious basis. We choose to be humble. It doesn't just happen to us. It's not a state that we just find ourselves in. We don't suddenly wake up one morning and think, oh, I'm feeling very humble today. It's something we actually have to choose to do. And it needs our, conscious, uh, our constant attention and our constant action to do it. It's not a, not a habit that we fall into, something that we must continually try to do. And it demands of us the best and the highest quality that we have to give. It's not just something that we have you know, in our toolbox of things that we need to do to be a good Christian. We can't switch it on and off. It's, a, a, it's an ongoing lifestyle of humility. It's a way of being that we need to choose to be. And so, I'm just very briefly going to touch on, again, what does the Bible say about how we can do that? There's a call to be humble. There's an understanding of what we mean by humility. So what does the Bible say about how we do that? I've just, again, picked out a few verses um, from various different parts of the New Testament that talk about how do you be humble. And here they are. So these are the, these are the things that I want you to, to focus on. I've given you the sort of the background, the understanding of humility, the understanding of our, our, um, the difference between us and God. And these are some of the things I want to focus on because the call in the Bible is to be humble and these are examples of how to do that. So first of all, in Luke 18, verse 17... It says, receive the kingdom of God like a little child. So what we see there is we see the, com the contrast between who God is and who we are. The kingdom of God, kingdom, he's a king, and a little child. Not a king. Part of the kingdom. Yeah? So you've got the contrast there. And it says we should receive the kingdom like a little child. So how do children receive things? Do they just sit there and wait for it to be given? Sometimes. I'm, the, I'm a, a parent of two teenagers, and I can tell you for a fact that they don't just sit there and wait for everything to be given to them. 
Dad, can I have... Mum, can you get me... Why are they doing that? It's not just to be, not just to frustrate us. They're doing it because there's something that they need that they know that we can provide for them. As they get older, they learn how to do that in different ways. Some of them more appropriate than others. And I'm, I'm not going to embarrass my children in front of everyone again. But they don't wait to be parented. They actively receive it. They actively go pursue the parents for what they want the parents to give to them. And that's very much how we should act in relation to God. That's humility. is recognizing that what God has for us is better than what we have for us, and therefore we need to go to God for the things that we need. That's an example of being humble. So are you waiting for God to do something when he's waiting for you to pursue him for it? Is there something that you're waiting for that you want to happen and you've not actually pursued God for it like a child will pursue the parent for another biscuit? Okay, so that's the first one. Receive the kingdom like a child. Second one. Give yourself up as Christ did for you in Ephesians 5.2. So again, you've got the comparison. We know from the Bible that Christ was in heaven, had everything, And he gave all of that up to come down to earth and die and actually lose his whole life so that we might have eternal life in its fullness for ourselves. He gave himself up because we couldn't achieve what he had for us on our own. Okay, And he said, give yourself up as Christ did for you. And again, it's an expression of humility. We heard this morning a Uh, one of the prophetic words we had talked about giving things up so that we can spend more time with him. Um, And again, another quote, Jim Elliott, who was a missionary in South America, said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's a sign of humility when you give up stuff that in eternity means nothing to gain something that in eternity means everything. It's a sign of humility. It's recognizing who God is and what he has to offer. So are you holding on to something that actually you could let go of? You don't need to rely on that thing or be dependent on that thing. Are you holding on to it when you could let go? And again, I think we had a prophetic word about letting go, open hands, this morning. So that's the second one. And the third one, Hebrews 11.1, which is a great chapter, well worth reading, basically talks about living by faith, confident in God's promises. What is faith? It's being sure of what we cannot see. What is it we cannot see? The future, but God can. God knows what's happening. He has plans for us. He knows where he wants us to go. He knows what is best for us. So living by faith means believing what he has promised and shaping your life around that. It's a sign of humility. God knows better than I do. So even though I can't see the right direction, I don't know what's best for me, I'm going to believe that what God says is best for me. And I'm going to go with that. It's a sign of humility. It means knowing what the Bible says. Not just 
waiting for someone to give you a directional prophecy. It means we need to be under the word. In other words, listening to the word preached, and you know, talking with other people about what the Bible has to say, reading it regularly for ourselves. So do you struggle to believe that God's promises for you are true? Are there promises that he's made that you really find it hard to believe? There may well be. So these are some of the things that we can do to express humility. And what I'm going to, what I want to do is just spend the last five or seven minutes, I want, this is where I want you to engage with those things. So I'm going to stop talking in a minute or so. And what I want you to do is commit to being humble. And committing to it means being accountable to one another. Actually saying, this is how I'm going to be humble. This is how I'm going to do it. So the first one, if, if the thing that you were thinking about was about receiving the kingdom like a child, what is it you're waiting for God to do? Receiving him like a child means pursuing him in prayer, acknowledging him as the source of the wisdom that you need and asking him for what you want because he will answer. So that's if you're waiting for God to do something. Are you holding on to something? What is it you're holding on to? What does it mean for you to let go of that thing? To stop trying to keep control over that thing yourself? What does it mean to put it at the foot of the cross and leave it there and walk away? What does that mean for you? Is that an action that you need to take? And finally, is there something you're just not believing God for? And that's not a criticism. All of us find situations where we just find it hard to believe that that thing that it says in the Bible really is true for me. The Bible says, I will heal you, and I've not been healed. I find it really hard to believe that. The Bible says, I don't know, um, you will have everything you need, and yet my bank balance never seems to change color from red. I find it really hard to believe you need to make a choice to believe those promises in the Bible. He will never leave you. He will always protect and guide you. He will always provide you. He has an inheritance laid up for you, which will never perish, spoil, or fade. Believe those promises, and then, which is a choice to believe them, and then start uh, to live believing what he has promised. So we've got five minutes or so. Okay, I'm just going to leave these up on the, on the screen behind me. What I want you to do is... Take the first step on actively being humble by recognizing who God is in all of these areas of your life, recognizing who you are and what you can do in all of those areas, and start to rely on God, start to go to God, start to pursue God. So what I want you all to do is in maybe groups of four or five, probably no more than six because it's going to, we've got five minutes, so maybe groups of four or five, just very briefly say which one of these areas it is that you are going to commit to being humble in. And then say that to God in front of the other people. I'm going to commit, Lord, to um, believing your promise that you will provide for me. I'm going to commit, Lord, um, to pursue you in prayer this thing that I need whatever it might be. And by doing that, 
you're then making yourself accountable to others around you who can pray for you and help you. Okay, so is that okay? No need to describe the situation. I don't want five minutes of this is what's going on in my life first because we've only got five minutes and only one person will get a go. So take turns to tell God, what is it you're waiting for him to do or what are you holding on to? What are you not believing him for? And then commit that you want to pursue humility by receiving him like a child, giving yourself up to him or choosing to believe his promises for you. So just in right now, in groups of three, four, five, let's start sharing, being accountable, praying for one another, and taking that first step on the, the road to humility. And while you, while you do that, while you get up and move around, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we do recognize how much greater and higher and bigger and more powerful than us you are. Lord, we recognize our weakness and our frailty and we recognize that we need you all the time. And so right now, we just want to commit to pursuing humility with you, to be coming to you for everything, to be giving you the opportunity to shape and grow and build our lives by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'll leave them on the board. Get yourselves into your small groups. Start sharing, start praying for one another, and then I'll, in five minutes or so, I'll close the meeting. Okay, hopefully everybody's had an opportunity to share, but it doesn't have to stop here this morning. We can continue to, to share and be accountable and encourage one another in this way on an ongoing basis. It doesn't just have to be for now. So take advantage of the small groups. This is a great thing to do within small groups. If you join a small group, you're able to share with others some of the things that, that you need God to help you with. Small groups is a great place to express and act in humility. Don't forget to share your story. If you take one of these actions and you find that God blesses you in some way, share it with us because it would be so encouraging for the rest of us to hear. And also, if there are things that have come up in here that you feel particularly I'm finding this difficult, then ask others to help by praying. As a church, we want to be praying for one another. And asking for prayer is another sign of humility. So we've heard about those this morning. Small groups, ask for prayer, share your stories. But just on an ongoing basis, know who God is. Know who you are in relation to God. And then go to Him for everything and at all times. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, feel free to carry on the conversations over tea and coffee, which will be served at the end of the corridor. Children will be ready to be collected now. Um, and you guys down at the front here have an amazing time at New Day. And we will look forward to hearing some brilliant stories next week. Okay. Look forward to seeing everyone next week. <laughs>